Thank you for joining us on the MS and Sex Podcast. We affirm that people with multiple sclerosis are radically sexy simply by rejecting the negative messages that we get from our culture. On the podcast and in our classes, we learn how to improve the quality of our lives. And while we're at it, we inspire non-disabled folk too. So get ready. Don't flinch. Thank you again for joining us on MS and Sex. This month, we are talking about the pleasures of care in two parts. My interview with Dr. Sarah Rainey-Smith-Back came out on the 15th. And in this segment, I'm going to talk about some points that she made in her book that helped me understand myself and my relationship better. So as I take a leap into this new direction, I really have to be honest with myself and my listeners and my students. I can know, and that know is in quotes, (laughs) how to cope with the sexual and relationship challenges that MS brings on an intellectual level. But grasping this on a personal and somatic or body level is much harder. Learning to live with MS is ongoing work. One of the things that I'm learning to do is to reframe my experiences away from the narrative of disability as a burden to seeing the reciprocity of care, as Dr. Sarah Rainey Smithback says. This is a great concept that she introduces in her book. And I think I'm going to call her Sarah from now on, just because that's faster. Um, So through her writings, I was once again encouraged to see that even when I'm not functioning at breakneck speeds like I used to, I bring value to my relationship. MS or disability isn't the problem. The problem is our culture's ridiculously narrow constraints of what a normal body, normal relationship, normal sexuality should look like. So let's work on purging those limiting definitions together. I wanna ask you, do you feel your value even when you're not functioning at pre-MS levels? Yes? What keeps you grounded in that knowledge? And if not, how does that affect you and your relationship? Either way, I'm going to ask you to record a voice message or type up a note and email it to info at msexualhealth. One thing that really affects all of us are media messages that come at us just relentlessly. Uh, These messages that tell us that only non-disabled bodies are worthy and attractive And in her book, Sarah talks about a Mothers Against Drunk Driving video, and it opens out into an image of a young man sitting on a bench. And when you see him, the text comes up next to him and it says, your best friend. And then a young woman walks into the screen and a text comes up next to her that says, your girlfriend. And those two people stand up and embrace and kiss each other. The camera pans out and you see that you have been looking at this scene through the perspective of a young man 
that's looking down at them and he's in a wheelchair. And then the text on the screen comes up and says, you have so much to lose. And so obviously driving while drunk is a serious problem. And I completely support Mothers Against Drunk Driving. However, this message here is that if you are in a wheelchair, you are not worthy to have a lovely girlfriend and that you're going to get stuck in some drab institutional room while your uh, best friend uh, makes off with your girlfriend. So that's the kind of messages that are just out there all the time. And it's really subtle. Even if I had seen that uh, ad years ago, it probably wouldn't have struck me on a conscious level. So Sarah's book, The Pleasures of Care, points out other negative messages because it's good to be aware of them. But she also gives positive messages too. Uh, for one thing, she introduced me to the writings of Nancy Mayers, who I have, had never read before. So I quickly ordered two of her books um, one uh, called Remembering the Bone House, and that's by Nancy Mares, and the last name is M-A-I-R-S, and I'll put some links to these books in the episode notes. And then the other one that I ordered is a collection of essays called Carnal Acts. It is, uh, she also, in the book, she also gives examples of films that give us positive um, messages about disability, and one of them is called Shameless the art of disability. And so in the episode notes, I'm going to link to several different affirming uh, medium messages that are out there because it's really important to absorb those and surround ourselves with positive messages so that you can know that as a person with MS, you not only bring value to your family and your relationship, you offer great gifts to your culture. And one of the ways that we do that is, um, and Sarah talks a lot about this in the book, as do uh, you know other uh, activists and writers, she talks a lot about how folks with disabilities challenge popular culture representations of gender roles. And um, she also discusses how queer couples within the LGBTQ plus community buck those same gender roles as we build healthy relationships while navigating the expectations placed on us by mainstream culture. So this kind of leads me to one section of our book that really jumped out at me and it brought on a serious light bulb moment for me. So I've asked my partner, Susan, to join us and talk about my revelation. Hey, Susan Larson. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, sure. Hey, Kara. How's it going? <laughs> So I know that I have struggled a lot with feeling a lot of shame around um, asking for help, whether that is relying on mechanical help, like a wheelchair or a cane, or asking for help from a person. And one section of her book brought out, brought kind of just turned on this light bulb for me. Um, and I want to read you this section of the book. And then I want to talk to you about kind of what, uh, what you think about it and okay. what it reminded me of. So um, it's from a section called uh, Masculine Caring Non-Disabled Men and Disabled Women. And she's really, she talks, like, uh, like I said, a lot about um, 
gender roles and how disabled people, both disabled people and queer people, really in their own ways kind of buck those stereotypes of gender roles. When she was talking to the couples that she interviewed um, for her research, um, she says they knew that their caregiving violated gender role expectations, but they also expressed an internal acceptance of masculine caring. For example, Richard, the non-disabled spouse of Emma, who has cerebral palsy, discusses how he has had to resist the masculine impulse to control and take charge while providing physical care for Emma. And Richard says, yeah, I decided that at one point, for once, after taking care of her for a while, I could find myself arguing with her sometimes about her care. And I thought, you know, you you, you could, this would be a hell of a lot easier for you, for you if you would just decide that you are her hands. Don't question anything she says about uh, how in the hell would you like it every time you wanted to do something, somebody uh, challenged you on it. She knows how to take care of herself. She's, I, I mean, she's had other people, instructed other people how to care for her for a long time. Anyway, so that was the main part that jumped out at me. And what it made me think of, and I, this is what I wanted to talk to you about, was this moment that we had. We were in New York City together, and we had gone to the um, 9-11 memorial, and I was not moving all that well. And it's a lot of walking, and so... I, we decided that I should be in a wheelchair and we had never, um, done that together before, I don't think. And, and we'd never had that conversation before. And so I remember it just being this, um, conflict. There was a lot going on there in that moment. And I think it was, me not wanting to surrender control to somebody else and feeling that shame about it. And I think it was you wanting to be in control because you had the wheelchair and you were in control and you just wanted to get us going. And I don't know, I just, I just wanted to have this conversation with you and see how it went because we still have never really talked about this, you know, what it would be like for you to, you know, wheel me around. Right. Well, I don't know, since it's not really happening on any kind of, it only happened, I think, that one time, right? And I know that it was a lot of it, and I'm having to re recollect from about four or five years ago. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we probably should have um, thought about this a little bit more. But the only thing I could think of was that I remember we went on the subway, right? And we kind of got lost directionally. And so we walked out of the way. And by the time we got there, you were pretty much toast because you weren't, really doing that well on the medication you were on or something like that anyway. So, um, yeah, we didn't really have a plan about it. And I think now it would probably be a lot different. I might stay back and tell and let you tell me what you need me to do as opposed to um, kind of just doing it. Right. So I don't think anybody wants to have somebody take over and just do things for them. But you weren't really wanting to have anything done. And I'm like, well, why are we have this wheelchair? Right. So it's right. I'm like, well, if we're not going to use this wheelchair, then you need to either get up and walk or we need to use the wheelchair one or the other. But yeah, that working together would be um, something we'd have to um, work through. But I always reflect on it, too, is like it could be just as very well be me. You know, so that might be a harder thing for us to encounter. But 
What do you mean? <laughs> well, if I had a stroke and I was disabled, then you would have to be trying to figure out how that would work either. And you might think you know a better way of doing it or whatever. Right. And with the limited, although limited background, I have medical. I think I know what's better, but maybe I am that way to other people, you know, and I don't, I don't really need to be that way. It's a little disrespectful maybe, but yeah. sometimes people are hard headed too and they don't want to accept limitations. So it's kind of a, it's a tricky, right. a tricky thing to try to navigate. Um, but yeah, clear communication, I think, is the first thing that you need to establish and then figure out, hey, how do you want to navigate this? How do you want to tell me what you want to do or you want to just let's get in the wheelchair and let's go? What does that look like? So I think, you know, regardless, you should be able to have open communication on how you want it to go out mm -hmm. and, and how you want the system to work so that it works for both of you. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's interesting because it really is this kind of conversation about control and and people aren't used to having those. And I think that um, I, I also like it. There's like this guy was talking about, yeah, why don't, why can't I just, you know, be her hands? So there's this choice that they could make that he could fill that role. There's also a choice that I can make sometimes to actually really let go and surrender and say, okay, I'm going to, you know, let somebody else, um, you know, uh, wheel me around and not get obsessive about exactly where I'm going or how fast I'm going or, you know, it's just releasing control. So it's, it's just yeah. a conversation. So I know we never did talk about it, but I didn't really know that it was, I guess that much of an issue or something. I, I don't know, you know, and, and maybe, Maybe I didn't have an idea. I wasn't clued into that way, right? Mm -hmm. So you felt like maybe I was going at a different speed than you wanted to go or not looking at what you wanted to look mm -hmm. look at. Mm -hmm. So when you told me to slow down, did you ever tell me that, to slow down or go this way or um, whatever? You know, what? what's bad is that I was just doing things like uh, instead of talking to you about it, I remember I would just like put my foot down. Yeah. <laughs> like, And so it was just like – <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like a and and the other thing is you know you mentioned that you are uh you you said something about it. what did you say the little bit of medical background you have okay background. well you have an extensive medical background and well, so that's the other thing <laughs> that's the other thing that goes on in my mind around this is with when I'm talking about care mm -hmm. and being okay like my anxieties about having MS and if it ever gets really bad is that like you know how to care for people that are right. not well right. you've been trained to do that um but you also when you're caring for people it is very uh, you have these really clear boundaries right. and and it's never obviously sexual right. because that would be creepy exactly. and and so I have this, and this is some some conversation that we'll have to have someday, but, you know, just introducing this idea that, you know, um, I, would, I would worry about that, that if, if I needed more care, mm -hmm. that I would just become like a, like, a another, patient a, like another patient right. and that you wouldn't be able to see me as a sexual being. Well, again, I think that the very same thing could happen to me. Um, so, yeah, it's something I guess we need to talk about before or if it even happened. But right now, I think that you're really doing well with your medication. And so, I mean, I don't know. What does any of life look like? You figure it out as you go along. I don't 
I don't know, I wouldn't view you as a patient, but I think when there's a really specific need that has to happen, then yeah, I'm really the type of person you want to be right there because Mm -hmm. I'm going to be able to take care of it or know when we need to get help or what Mm -hmm. have you, or Mm -hmm. something we can handle, you know, right. I'm not going to be transplanting any organs or anything like that. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, you're not. But (laughs) I'm just saying I can tell when, okay, this is something we need to get attention or whatever. So I don't know. I I understand what you're saying, but I think it's um, beyond maybe the scope of this conversation that we need to have on a deeper level. And it's good to talk about it. And I'm sure that other people are maybe thinking the same thing, right? So... Um, meaning other people that have MS or their partners or Mm -hmm. whatever, what does that look like? And I always come back to that same thing is how would I want to be treated, right? And how would I, you know, very likely uh, it could be the other way around. Mm -hmm. You know, none of us are guaranteed any kind of ability every day. But, uh, of course, that's something that looms over you and has for quite a while. Mm -hmm. So it it is something to be discussing, but uh, at the same time, I think that we're able to do that. And it's just an open conversation. Yeah. That's why I want to do, that's why I want to do medical play with you. Because I think it could make it sexy and we should experiment with that. Yeah. (laughs) She just rolled her eyes at me. (laughs) All right. Well. But that may be (laughs) a hard limit for you. (laughs) Anyway. uh, Okay. I wanted to share that conversation with you to offer a reminder that we're all just muddling through. And simply starting a discussion about difficult topics is an important first step. Even if nothing is ultimately resolved in that first conversation, it's a start. And the other thing that I'm going to remind people is that if you're really struggling with um, self-esteem or um, sexual issues or relationship issues because of MS challenges, I highly recommend finding a good therapist that has some knowledge about working with folks with disabilities. Um, One thing that you can do is reach out to the MS Society and they can help you find someone. And I will put a link to the MS Society's um, website in the episode notes as well. So if you haven't listened to my conversation with Dr. Sarah, check it out. And then please join us for a deeper conversation in our live Q&A on the 20th at 5 p.m. Pacific time. You can go to our new website at www.msexualhealth.com. That's one S, msexualhealth.com, to gain access to that session. Thank you again for joining us, and um, I look forward to seeing you in the Q&A.